0: Welcome to One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life with your host, Michael R. Hurst. A weekly dialogue about how you can manage the things that we methodically push down deep inside ourselves, the stuff we whisper about and hide from, and where you may get to say that one more thing before somebody walks out the door or to those you lost or are losing. We are happy you're here. Come on in and join the conversation. Here's Michael.
1: Our guest this week is Kimberly Melosis, a natural health entrepreneur and a Christian abundance coach focused on empowering women to renew their mind, their body, and their business. Kimberly's also a full time mom and loves swimming in a spa, organic gardening, and her community of moms. Kimberly lost her mother last November. We're going to talk a little bit about that and a little bit about how she uses essential oils in her life and how that can help you to improve yours, especially after losing someone. Welcome to the show, Kimberly. I only gave a brief description, so can you tell us a little bit more about you and what you do?
2: Well, thank you. It's an honor to be here. Really, really grateful to be able to have this conversation with you and your listeners. And uh, what do I get to do? Wow. I um, am so blessed to be able to empower people on an ongoing basis on how to serve their bodies emotionally, physically, mentally, using the gifts of creation and specifically essential oils. And so I educate people on what essential oils are, how they can be used, and then as a kind of corollary to that, I've created a, an abundance course because I believe that everybody is meant to walk in abundance and it's accessible and available for everybody and um, maybe they just need a little bit of input about how to get there.
1: Outstanding. That's obviously a very uh, admirable position in life and I commend you. Well, as you know, this shows about one more thing before you go and being able to say what you wanted to say, how someone deals with the loss and then can move on. It's also about sharing the process so that others can move forward in life as well in life, which kind of goes along with what you're promoting, both in your abundance course and essential oils and helping people. So in an effort to help people understand the process of and the importance of being able to say what you want to say before losing someone. It's about the naturopathic and holistic way of healing and balancing our bodies while we go through stress and grief. So with that in mind, let's talk about losing your mother. Without Mm -hmm. being intrusive, always kind of strange asking people this, but without being intrusive, uh, did your mother die of natural causes or did she have some type of a terminal illness?
2: You know, it's um, it's a little bit of a mystery to me. Um, She definitely had lot of issues in her life she had a lot of respiratory issues Um, she was a smoker for most of her life so she at the end of her life was on oxygen on an ongoing basis Um, she also had some heart issues but um, and I had seen her about a week before she Uh, past, and she was healthy and strong. And I had seen her look weak in the past, and she didn't look weak at all. She looked very strong, very um, alert. You know, we had a Scrabble game. um, And then I think that's probably why I was so shocked when I got the news. Um, And it also leaves me feeling not very comfortable because she lived with a uh her her boyfriend which is i guess her common-law husband um there's no uh doubt that he was not one of my favorite people but i i often wonder you know did he not help her in those last moments when he could have did he withhold help you know, so I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's a big accusation to make against somebody, but I just question uh, whether she really had to go when she did. You know, and that, that makes it a little bit more difficult, I think.
1: Was she a young person?
2: No, she's in her 80s, so she definitely lived a full life that way.
1: Well, it's kind of unfortunate the circumstances would have taken mm. place, so obviously being unexpected. Um, Somewhat unexpected with Mm -hmm. regard to that. Uh, Did did you have the opportunity to say everything that you wanted to say to her before you lost her?
2: Yeah, I don't think we ever get the opportunity to say everything we want to say, you know, or maybe we do. There's very, some circumstances where I suppose if you know they're dying, you can. Um, I'm grateful that I had a chance to tell her that I loved her. But there's a lot of other things I think I would have wanted to say. And I felt that regret, um, you know, having learned of her passing. I never really had anybody close to me die before. Um, my husband's parents died, and but it was still very, you know, um, other. It right. was very different. Yeah. So I think that there definitely were things that I would have liked to say that I didn't get a chance to.
1: How, how important do you think it is for somebody to be able to say what they want to say? Let's say, you know, the fact that you did not get the opportunity to say everything you wanted to say, do you think that caused an, um, a longer grieving period for you?
2: I think so. Um, you know, because I, I do notice that I, I had a lot of regret and I had to work through that. Um, I also wonder, you know, what did my withholding of the things I wanted to say, what did it do to her that I could have maybe alleviated, like just releasing her and forgiveness, um, you know, how would that have changed her her last, you know, couple of, of days or weeks or whatever. So there's a lot of different reasons why I think it's important to say what you want to say um, and don't wait, you
1: know. Yeah, I understand 100%. I mean, obviously, um, in my background, I lost my father when he was 39 years old. He was out of state, and I had no clue he was even in the hospital. So mine was kind of a, um out-of-the-blue phone call when I was 17 years old. So uh, from wow. that perspective, it stayed with me for—well, it stays with me to this day, actually. Um, you know, I've been able to work through some wow. of it. Um, there were other circumstances that um, prevented me, and I feel that those circumstances were put in place by individuals that— um, kept their petty their pettiness you Mm -hmm. know in the middle of it and it caused um, myself and my siblings you know the same type of grief and in i lost my mother in 2010 and same thing i got a phone call from a cousin of mine that said hey did you know that your mother was in the hospital and i said no Mm -hmm. she's been there for three days in pettiness i didn't get the opportunity for that person that was there uh, to make the phone mm-hmm. call and say, Hey, your mom's in the hospital. And by the yeah. time I called the hospital, it was too late. Wow. So I, I relate to that. And that's one of the, uh, one of the things that obviously I think it's important that, and the reason I started the podcast was important that people get to say what they wanted to say before they left. Um, yeah. Because it does stay with you and it does cause stress, undue stress and grief on all individuals involved, not just the person. I, as a police officer um, for as long as I was, I watched an, a lot of people pass on in through different circumstances. And some of those circumstances were obviously very sudden, and I was able to listen to the last words of certain people. And you know their regret was, I, you need to tell somebody something for me.
0: Right. Know, that was their yeah. that was
1: their last work. And you need to tell my wife, you need to tell my kids, you need to tell my husband, you need to tell my you know. So it's yeah, I think it's really I think it's important. People need to to don't hesitate. No, know?
2: that's such a, that's so such a good insight. You know, as a police officer you probably got to see something that not a lot of people get to see that way.
1: Well it's 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 a career that I loved doing and i don't regret anything in it other than <laughs> i i regret standing in front of the vehicle that hit me that ended my yeah. career so i do regret that
2: <laughs> yeah Fair.
1: but i don't regret anything else in regard to it because i felt that you know there were times that i was able to be with especially in those particular situations i was able to be with somebody when nobody else was able to be with them so
2: powerful
1: you know it kind of gives you a good feeling so it works yeah yeah so, in regard to your in regard to your uh, mother and your loss, um, especially since it's the first time you'd lost somebody that close to you, how did you learn to deal with that loss? What methodologies did you use?
2: Yeah, there was a few things. I mean, um, you know we'll talk about the the practical using essential oils side. I'm very, very grateful for that because there's there's a lot a lot of powerful shifts that can happen with those. Uh, but from a processing perspective, uh, we well, you know one of the things that I found helpful was talking to my siblings. So I wasn't really close to my siblings before, but this is something that we, you know, had in common, and that we could all talk about. And they they kind of spoke about her in a way that didn't make me feel comfortable. They were very judgmental of her and um, kind of harsh in their judgments. So I didn't find that really supportive or helpful because I just figure, you know, like she's not here to defend herself. You know, it's not really fair. Um, And I prefer just to look at what did she do? I mean, part of who I am today is a huge part of, you know, what she contributed to me, good and bad, right? Like it's, it's all been used for my good in one way or another. But um, so that, that was not the helpful part, but, but the helpful part was just talking over some stuff and figuring some stuff out, you know, things that we maybe didn't really talk about when she was alive because we didn't think we could and being able to work through those things that did help. Um, you know, I felt like the other thing was honoring her, um, before my own children and, and talking about the, the things that she did do right. Um, believe it or not, part of my process was acknowledging uh, what she wasn't. Because I think when I, while she was still alive, I kind of kept this image and desire of what I wanted her to be. And she never was that. And so I had to kind of finally release her and say, you know, okay, she really wasn't a good mom. (laughs) Like I can honor her, I can thank her, But from a very practical perspective, I needed to acknowledge, you know, I can love her, but she really wasn't a good mom. And I needed to kind of come to that place um, to reconcile like a disparity in my own mind. Um, But even then, when I say it, I feel like I'm dishonoring her, you know, so it's it's hard. I, I, I don't know that I've worked it all out. I clearly still feel things, which which is still part of the grieving and mourning process. It's not like it's done in a day, as you likely know. Um, so, it, those are some of the things I found helpful.
1: Well, yeah, communication is a really important thing, and um, I think that talking about it—the the mistake that most people make in not being judgmental by any means, when I make this statement, but that people people don't talk out loud. They hold it inside. Um, And holding it inside, that creates resentment, it creates anger, it it creates more stress, and it creates a deeper grief that you just can't let go of. And sometimes that grief can last, you know, as, as you know, grief can be a couple of days, grief can be seven days, grief can be several years. You know, I don't think you ever really get rid of a certain amount of the grief that you have when you lose somebody. It's always going to be there, no matter what, because that person is not still physically within this your space. Yeah. You know, the, you can't pick up the phone and call them. You can't, yeah. you know, walk over and knock on the door with a, you know, a, a, a tray of cookies and say, hi, hi, how you doing? Let's talk. Let's go have a cup of tea. Let's go have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Grief is always going to be there, but I think grief, that portion of grief that we hold on to, um, I have learned, I think is important because it still allows us to remember that person in a positive way. Yeah, that's true. But talking about it is, is key. You, you've got to be able to open up and you've got to be able to release some of that no matter what it happens to be. You can be angry, you can be resentful, you can be... Um, unhappy. You can be sad. You could be happy. I mean, in certain cases, I've seen people that were relieved when somebody passed on because the individual was suffering in some form or another that it, they were finally free of that physical and mental suffering, you know, kind of a thing. So, um, I know you said that you presented uh, it to your children as a positive. Uh, when your mother passed away, your children, adult adults, are they young? Are they teenagers?
2: So my oldest is 28, and the, so I have three in the kind of older side, so 28, 23, and 20, and then I have a nine-year-old. So uh, it's kind of crossing.
1: that? <laughs> <Wise> yeah. <section. laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, in that regard, I, obviously, you know, it's one of the questions I usually have is how do, how were the children affected, but as... And as adults, I'm sure that they have a better understanding of losing somebody, or a better understanding of the process of life and death, and what takes place, and in, in the necessity of that process. Um, so, your family handled the loss, okay?
2: Well, the you know, when I say that my mother wasn't a great mother, I, I mean that obviously impacted her being a not such a great grandmother either. So mm-hmm. she did. She really didn't have any connection to my kids. She didn't know them. Um, She, you know, took her a while even to know how to spell their names properly. She never knew what what they were involved in. And so they didn't feel really anything when she um, uh, died because they didn't know her. You know, they didn't didn't really enjoy visits to her place because they just felt awkward. And so, um, yeah, they... For them, it wasn't really a thing, um, which was hard for me, you know, because again, it's just part of my acknowledging what I, what they didn't have and what I didn't have um, but but they didn't really seem affected. They actually enjoyed the interaction of getting back together with my siblings and and their cousins, and so they actually enjoyed right. that part. Um, and I think that that was very healing and helpful. but yeah. were
1: there any other like methodologies you used other than essential oils, were, were there any other grief processing that you have that you went through and learned and or um, think would be helpful to others?
2: Yeah, I don't know that I'm a professional in grief processing, that's for sure, but I do know that one of the things that was critical for me was to walk through forgiveness. Um, and to release judgments like that's, that's always a thing. I think it was something that I tried to incorporate even when she was alive. But, you know, with somebody like my mom, as much as I would forgive her, then she, she would find new things to do (laughs) that I would have to then forgive her for as well. Um, And so I think it was, for me, the, the biggest part was forgiving myself for things that I didn't do, or that I could have done. Um, differently, um, things that she did and kind of releasing both of us, releasing her, releasing me and ju- from the judgments that I had made. So I felt like that was an important part. Um, I, I kind of feel like I didn't get closure in some ways because I didn't get a chance to see her dead body, for example, like to say goodbye uh, because she was cremated and um, her boyfriend, like you know that he didn't want us to go up there so we couldn't even go into the house and you know kind of say goodbye that way so we had, yeah so we didn't even have like a funeral for her we just kind of got together at my my sister's house so it felt very odd that way and
1: incomplete but, you know the, <clears throat> in the past some individuals that I have um, had interviews with and spoken with have conversation with um they kind of recommend in situations like that because I understand what you what you went through, 100%. Uh, say my father was out of state. He was in Pennsylvania. Didn't even know about it until after I got a mm-hmm. phone call. Same thing with my mother. My mother was out of state. Right. Um, so I got to see... Right. I went back from my mother's funeral. Um, so I was able to do that. My brother, unfortunately, caused a lot of drama within that situation, in that environment, which wasn't cool. But um, she had seven siblings. So my brother didn't... <laughs> Didn't wow. really fare too well within the, uh, throwing in a little tantrum because, um, realistically, there she had seven brothers there to say, "Hey, stop it!" You know, uncles, brothers, and sisters say, "Stop, stop it." Right. Um, so in that particular case, I do understand, but I've always regretted the fact that I was never able to go back and you know see my father's funeral or go to go to the funeral see the grave get some closure from that perspective um so in talking to some of these Uh, other people that i've had conversations with uh, they said what a positive thing is this may help you and this may help others is um to sit down and write a letter to them uh, literally write a letter to them saying i wish i would have done this wish we could have done that this is what i wanted to tell you this is what i wanted to say i missed this Okay, you know, kind of, kind of describe all those feelings and the fact that you weren't able to get, right. you know, in, in to see her body, to get the closure. And then yeah. you can either keep it or you can take it out and put it in the fireplace and let it go. So, you yeah. know, and again, I'm not a grief counselor either.
2: That sounds very powerful, though.
1: But it's something that, you know, people said this way, you, you can sometimes possibly get closure that way because you're able to speak it out, talk it out, and then, mm-hmm. and then let it go. Wow.
2: You know, so, yeah. so that
1: your heart can move on, your soul can move on a little bit.
2: Wow, that's powerful. Thank you.
1: <clears throat> so I know that you use and promote essential oils. Um, can mm-hmm. you help us understand what are? essential oils. I'm familiar with them to a point Mm -hmm. you um, actually had helped me with my shoulder recovery in regard to some of those. But I think that you would be the expert in helping all of us to understand what they are.
2: Yeah. Well, essential oils at their basic definition are highly volatile aromatic compounds. That's really what an essential oil is. But from a practical perspective, the way to look at an essential oil is this: Um, If you've ever gone into a garden and you've picked a plant, so example, a peppermint plant or oregano, and if you're not sure, you know what herb it is that you picked, the first thing that you likely do is to grab that leaf from that plant and you crush it between your fingers right and once you crush it you know that you can smell it stronger well what's actually happening when you do that that motion of crushing the leaf is you are breaking open the sacks of essential oils that are contained within the leaf and the smell is then being released and then that's what you are um, smelling and so the in nature, what the essential oils do is they're part of the plant's reproductive system, like attracting, you know, uh, pollinators. They're part of the immune system of the plant. And what we discovered by studying essential oils is that they're very, very complex chemistry. In fact, when pharmaceuticals are creating their drugs, they often go to nature. And in many cases, it's an essential oil that they're going to to create their drugs and um you know, the difference though would be that when we're looking at a pharmaceutical, we're looking usually at one active ingredient. So if you use Tylenol, it's acetaminophen. If you use um, Advil, it's ibuprofen. So that That's one active ingredient that's within that pharmaceutical. When we're looking at essential oils, one essential oil, so for example, pure lavender, Usually I ask the question, well, how many active ingredients would be in pure lavender? And people usually say, well, one, lavender. (laughs) And I say, no, there's actually over 100 active ingredients in lavender. And in some oils, like frankincense, there's over 200 active ingredients. And so the difference between a pharmaceutical and the essential oils um, is that a pharmaceutical is an extract that is... um, an isolate so it's isolating one active ingredient when we're looking at nature nature never works with isolate it works with packages packages of vitamins and food for example or packages of active ingredients and essential oils and so what they have the power to do for our body is similar to how a pharmaceutical would work in terms of the active ingredient but in the pharmaceutical that active ingredient is there without the others and so what happens are the side effects. So when you watch the drug commercial you see the side effects scrolling and that's because in nature that one active ingredient would have been there with, you know, potentially 100 or 200 others that would offset the side effects of that one active ingredient and they're not there in the pharmaceutical. So so while I would never be allowed to directly compare a pharmaceutical with essential oils in from a chemistry perspective, that's uh, how it works. And they have incredible ability to support our bodies physically, emotionally, and mentally. That's
1: outstanding. Some of that, I didn't realize 200 active ingredients, that's amazing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, for our listeners out there and the people that um, obviously follow me uh, through this, you also know that the majority, I'm a very holistic and natural a natural, uh, naturopathic approach to healing. I have had rheumatoid arthritis since 1998. Okay. I don't use any pharmaceuticals for my arthritis, my rheumatoid. I okay. use all natural yeah. products. I use natural, like Boswellia for inflammation. It's a natural prednisone. I use Turmeric, I use ginger root. I use, I mean, there's a number of things that I believe in Love that it. help me. Krill oil and all these natural anti-inflammatories in lieu yes, of using any yeah. of the chemicals that uh, were essentially killing me, really. So, I wholeheartedly believe in a natural approach. I didn't realize if something like it's frankincense really? oil had yeah. 200 active ingredients. That's amazing. Um, you know, and and through history. So this is documented Um, through history. They have found that uh, the majority of the pharmaceutical companies that have started something do just like what you said. They go out and they get the herb and they get the um, those um, plants and those leaves. And then they whatever, like in the Amazon forest, they were getting Tamiflu comes from a plant that's down there that you can use naturally to do the same thing. Tamiflu does now, but they have right. brought it up and synthesized it yeah. you know, to make it cost effective for them to be able to sell and, you know, so forth. So in regard to essential oils, now that we have a basic foundation and an understanding, can you tell me a little bit about how that applies towards a natural and a holistic approach of, of mental and physical health?
2: Yeah, for sure. So when we're looking at different chemical constituent, um, we know that they have a certain effect on our body. And from a physical perspective, it's kind of a a simple explanation would be to think of um, an active ingredient called methyl salicylate. So methyl salicylate isn't a common household word. But if I mention some of the um, synthetic versions of it, you would probably be familiar with like a five three five or Bengay or you know the uh, Tiger Bomb. So these kinds of um, you know remedies that are used topically to help with inflammation and to help with pain. So they're they're analgesics, right? So they they kill the pain, and so that's what those kinds of bombs would do. But when we look at uh, wintergreen oil, as an example, it's 99% naturally occurring methyl salicylate, so we don't have <coughs> to, uh, you know, use too much imagination to imagine how wintergreen oil would then help us if we were to apply it topically. And so we have blends. For example, we have a blend called Deep Blue, um, which is a combination of camphor and, uh, euc- and uh, eucalyptus, uh, wintergreen and helichrysum and peppermint, and we apply that topically, and you can feel either very cold or very hot, depending on how you experience it, and that's an example of an oil that's helping us physically. Now, we can use them aromatically uh, to help with, for example, opening up airways, so eucalyptus oil would open up airways if we felt congested. Um, We can use them topically, like I mentioned, or we can use them internally. And so there's oils that we can take internally, like copaiba oil, which accesses the cannabinoid system of the body to help um, with what they call neuro excitability. And if you can just kind of use your imagination, I'm not allowed to use common names, but neuro excitability, (laughs) um, if you can imagine that that doesn't feel very comfortable, then copaiba can help to calm that reaction. And so um, those are some of the examples of how we can use them physically. But using them on an emotional level is even, you know, more interesting. But do you, do you understand the physical part before I go on? Any questions about that?
1: No, I do understand the physical part. Um, I've used essential oils, the ones that you sent to me. I think one of those was the that, deep yeah, deep in the particular, and that actually helped me when I first started healing. Um, I eventually didn't need it. Didn't need to keep applying it, but it yes. did help me when I first came home from the hospital. So, I understand it from that perspective, and I, I don't like the greasy feeling of even Tiger Balm. I use Tiger Balm more than mm-hmm. I, I don't like Ben Gay. Ben Gay, I don't like Ben Gay. Um, I do. I've used Tiger Balm in the past, um, but I don't like the greasy feeling of all that. This. This was not a greasy feeling, but it still uh, relieved the the pain that was up there and it smelled good.
2: It does smell good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's less of a medicinal smell and kind of more fresh, right? Yes. Yeah. The wintergreen. And although Camphor just tends to always smell a little medicinal, but you know, that's good.
1: It it was it wasn't as powerful as Ben Gay, so it's all good. <laughs> it's good. <Yeah. laughs> and and I can say that because I have used Ben So I'll compare it to my personal use, this was much better from an essential yeah. oil perspective.
2: Yeah, it's a powerful oil. And a lot of people like that. We, we have a lot of athletes that particularly love that. Um, so now when we're talking about emotional support, it's a little different. And that's um, to understand that you need to understand a little bit about how emotions affect us. So of course, we know that we have our emotional brain, right? And that, you know, kind of the amygdala uh, sort of area kind of, you know, mid center of your brain. And there's only one way to access the amygdala directly. And that's through the nose. So the olfactory bulb is a Direct connection to the amygdala, it bypasses the logical brain, goes right to the emotional brain. And you can bet that marketers know that this is the case because if you ever walk through a mall and they're pumping out, you know, I don't know if you have what we have here in Canada called Cinnabon, but they make cinnamon buns. And they're always pumping out that smell. And I always say they, they're very clever because no one ever makes a logical um, you know, decision to buy a cinnamon bun. It's always one of those, oh, grandma made me feel so happy when I used to eat cinnamon buns. You know? So you know, it's, it's, a, it's an emotional reaction that would then cause us to go to the cash register and buy. And they're very smart. They know that. So we have this direct connection between the olfactory bulb, the smelling, and the emotional brain. And so if Cinnabon can do it, well, it's because it's accessing a truth. And when we're using essential oils, we're doing the same thing. So if we smell uh, an energizing type oil, it's bound to make us feel more mentally alert and awake. If we smell something that's calming, like lavender, you know, then it's bound to make us feel more relaxed. And it's one of the fastest ways to help our bodies to get an immediate emotional shift. Um, So we even have a blend called console, which I've been using a lot, you know, over the past many months. And uh, the combination of oils in there just helps us to feel consoled emotionally. And so if we're looking for an emotional shift, that's one of the ways that so how is it. that
1: applied? So if you're doing it through, a, through smell, do you put it in a diffuser? Or is it something that you just pick the bottle up and hold it up to your nose? Do you, how, how do you apply that? How does it get implemented?
2: That's a good question. So you definitely can use it aromatically. So um, if you're smelling an oil, it's not just that you uh, sense uh, a scent for example, you're actually getting those very, very small particles within the essential oil. Those small particles are getting into your nose. They're going through the olfactory area, right to the amygdala and creating that shift emotionally. So definitely... Um, using the oils aromatically, and you can do that by, for example, putting oil on your hand and cup and inhale. You can put it on the inner wrists and smell it. Um, You can apply it somewhere around your face where you're going to smell it on a regular basis. So we, for example, have like aromatherapy jewelry that you would then smell the oil um, or The way a lot of people do it is to use something called the diffuser, which would then diffuse the uh, particles of the oil into the air in a therapeutically usable form.
1: And we use a diffuser (laughs) here. So I'm familiar with it. That's the reason I asked about the diffusing. Um, We use a diffuser here, but those are easily obtainable from just about anywhere, actually. And we like to keep it in uh, a couple of rooms of the house and it um, makes us feel good.
2: Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah, and the better quality oils you have, I, like one of the things that I want to make sure that your listeners are aware is, you know, when I when I talk to people about the importance of eating well and, and how blueberries have a really high antioxidant value, I don't want them to then go out and buy, you know, blueberry gummy bears because that's not going to be the same, right? If we know that fruit and fruit loops are not the same thing, and so when it comes to essential oils, they need to know this. That is also the case that not all oils are created equally. And you know the reason why I use DoTerra's oils is because we're the only company in the world that has every liter tested by a third party to make sure that they're pure. Um, so we have the purest oils available in the world, and they're not going to be any kind of synthetic compounds, which would have the opposite. That brings me to
1: a question, I guess, in regard to this conversation. Um, if somebody is interested in uh, exploring that option, uh, I know that there are, as anybody can see, you can go on Amazon and see like a thousand different items available from of the same item. If somebody's going to explore essential oils for whatever, be physical or through uh, for mental uh, possibilities, they need to be careful of counterfeit Type oils that are out there because they can be detrimental to your uh, physical and/or mental health. Is that correct?
2: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So, in yeah. regard to that, obviously, your company. Um, obviously, at the end of this um, this broadcast, we will provide information in regard to your company and how somebody can contact you, and we can go a little more in depth about that. How would something like this play into helping someone overcome their grief and loss?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, One of the things that we know is that certain, so when we're we're talking about essential oils, we're usually looking at families of oils. So if you can imagine that citrus oils will be different, so lime oil isn't going to smell the same as wild orange or lemon or grapefruit. But there's going to be a lot of similarities in those oils, right? Because they're all high in limonene, which is a type of monoterpene, if we're talking about, um, you know, chemistry of oils. On the other hand, you know, if we're looking at floral oils, well, whether we're talking about lavender or rose, they're going to smell different, but they're all going to be high in alcohols, um, depending on the type of oil. So... When we're looking at supporting ourselves emotionally, we look at the family of oils um, to see what will be most supportive. And generally, if we're looking at citrus oils, we're thinking of things that will help us to be encouraged, you know, less gloomy, uh, less distressed. They help us to have a positive outlook just because of the chemical constituents that are in there. If we're looking at tree oils, we're looking at things that will help us to feel less sad Uh, less ashamed, less, you know, if we're grieving, so clearly, those are the oils that we want to turn to um, when we're in that grieving process. Uh, But if we combine it with the trees with floral oils, which help us when we're feeling worried or hurt, um, then we get a beautiful combination. And so our console blend, as an example, is a combination of florals and trees. Does that mean that you have to buy the console blend to be consoled? Absolutely not. Um, It just means that you're going to want to look toward maybe the floral oils, the tree oils as being the ones that's going to help you in those instances. Um, We have another oil called peace, uh, if you're feeling like you're lacking peace, and that's a combination of florals and mint. So again, um, you don't have to have peace oil, but it's kind of you know, maybe a good idea to go toward the florals and the mints if you're needing to feel less anxious and less fearful and, you know, needing more peace. So if you look at families of oils, then that's the way to kind of figure out what is the best one for you. One of my favorite things to do, though, with people who are um, wanting emotional to support is to put out a whole array of oils. And I tell them to close their eyes and to hold up the oil and to just experience the oil, not looking at what the name of it is. They may never have heard of it before. They may be super familiar, so they think with it, but just to experience the oil, because I'm always surprised at what oils kind of speak to people. I've had people do that and then they start crying. Oh. And it's like, wow, you know, that clearly impacted them. Um, some people will just smell something and they're like, Whoa, I feel so much clearer in my mind. And I even ask them to think, where do you feel it? Do you feel it in your head, in your heart? Do you feel it you know, in your nose area? you feel it down in your stomach? And it's interesting to see how people experience the oils because we're all amazing.
1: different. That's, that's amazing. So if somebody wanted to learn a little bit more about um, essential oils, how to use them, how to implement a program for maintaining mental health and physical health through essential oils, how would you recommend they do that?
2: Yeah, well, you know, doTERRA is a company that, like I said, we have the highest quality oils available. Um, and generally, the way that people would purchase our oils would be to connect with an individual person like me. So of course, I would love to be able to serve your, your customers by you know, providing them with support. I offer my time free of charge. There's no No cost for consultations. There's no cost for me to help people to figure out what protocols to use and you know what oils would be maybe a best place to start. Um, I do uh, caution people to not buy our oils on Amazon, and the reason for that is even though it can have the name DoTerra, it is super easy to pull the cap off of a bottle of oil. Empty the oil out, except for a few drops in the bottom, fill it with coconut oil, and then put a 15-cent brand-new cap on it, and that's what gets sold at Amazon. So you don't you don't have any control over the quality until it comes directly from doTERRA. So that's one thing I would caution them yes, about. I,
1: I would as well. You need to make sure that if you're going to explore this option, that you um, uh, thoroughly research it. Make sure that it's right for you. If it yeah. is right for you, then you need to... Follow a legitimate opportunity in order to be educated properly and uh, how to implement it and how to use it and how to use the correct ones to help you with your situation okay. and and um, I think maybe uh, going through your your website would probably be beneficial to them.
2: Yeah, I'd be very happy to serve. Are them. there
1: any words of wisdom that you would like to pass on to anybody after listening? You know, and talking about what we've spoken about in regard to helping somebody heal and overcome loss, either through what you experienced or what your uh, essentials may have to offer.
2: Yeah, I suppose, you know, one of the things that I'm really big on is empowering people by letting them know that there's hope. And when someone has gone through a loss, whether it's a loss of a person or a loss of an opportunity or a loss of a job, even um, sometimes hopelessness can creep in. And I know that the human spirit can overcome anything when there is hope in the presence of hope. We're able to you know, endure so much. And so if I were to leave final words, I would just say remember that there's always hope um, there's hope for your health there's hope for your relationships there's hope for your heart if you've lost somebody and you no longer have the chance to you know say what you wanted to say as is the name of your podcast, If you no longer have the opportunity to repair, uh, remember that the hope still comes by all the relationships that you're going to have in the future. So I love your idea about writing out a letter. I think I'm going to do exactly that um, because I want to make sure that all the relationships that I have in the future are ones that are full of abundant fruit, abundant love, and abundant hope.
1: That's amazing last words. I really appreciate that. How does somebody get in touch with you?
2: Uh, they can contact me through my website at com, And I probably should spell that because it can be a little bit of a mouthful. So it's K-I-M-B-E-R-L-E-Y-M-I-L-O-U-S-I-S.com.
1: And I'll have a link to that as well as some other information in regard to how to get in touch with Kimberly, um, both in the show notes and on my website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. So, Kimberly, thank you very much. This was an outstanding, amazing uh, story that you were able to tell and some amazing information that you were able to help share with us. And I hope that uh, people can understand they have opportunity here to um, get some additional healing and some additional help with their physical or mental goals. So thank you very much.
2: My pleasure, absolutely.
1: Again, check the show notes for how to contact Kimberly. Check our show notes for other resources in regard to helping you to achieve your health and fitness goals through alternative sources to include using essential oils. This is your host, Michael R. Hurst, signing off for this week.
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. That's BeforeYouGoPodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform.
1: And one more thing before you go, have a nice day, have a nice week, and thanks for listening.
0: One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.